get run out of the building in Green Bay. Probably more important, they suffer a couple of key injuries. They have a very intriguing matchup against the Bears and not Justin Fields on Sunday. Then they will enter the playoffs. We still don't know exactly where they'll be seated, even though we have a good idea. And we want to talk about Hamlin, the Bills, and the Bengals. So much to get to today on Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. Let's start with, I think, the, the biggest story locally, which is the Vikings offensive line, which has been good, which has had excellent bookend offensive tackles for the first time in a long time, uh, is not going to be whole going into the playoffs. Just how important is that, Jeff? Yeah, I think it's huge, Jim. I think that Brian O'Neill is one of the top offensive tackles in the league which is obvious by his salary, which I think is around $19 million a year, that the Vikings feel the same way about O'Neal. And I think Christian Derrissaw is on his way to that level, too. So, as you said, the, having those bookend tackles is just so huge for an offensive line, similar to what we had back in the great year years of the late 90s uh, and when we had Corey Stringer and... Um, Okay, I'm having a blank. Who, who's our other tackle? Todd Stussy. <laughs> I was going to say Stussy. Who fans got always got on Stussy because he would jump off, jump, you know, commit some uh, some illegal procedure penalties, but he was still a good player. They were both great players, great tackles, and <clears throat> building around those guys. But and of course, Randall McDaniel inside didn't hurt the cause. <laughs> yeah, great <laughs> but I, I think that losing Brian O'Neill is, is just is just huge and. And I'm sure the coaches are concerned as they look ahead, not so much to the Bears necessarily, but more so to the playoffs and thinking about potential NFC playoff matchups with, for example, the Giants with with Kayvon Thibodeau, who generally rushes uh, on the right side, so he would be going more against Derisaw. But certainly we've seen teams are more apt to try to go at the best matchups that they have. And so wouldn't be surprised if they play the Giants, which looks like the matchup right now, that it would be Thibodeau, that they'd flip-flop perhaps over <clears throat> against whoever it is, if it's Ole Udo, or by then it sounds like Blake Brandel could be back, which would be a, a positive thing because he played pretty well. He He's not a great player, but he played pretty well when he replaced Derrissaw for three games while Derrissaw was in the concussion protocol. So that would be a positive. But losing O'Neal, you're talking about one of your best players, a team captain, leadership that he provides on the field. And then furthermore, you've got the problem with Bradbury at center. And if he's not back now, O'Connell said yesterday that that he thinks he'll be back soon. Well, what what does that mean? (laughs) He, He has not practiced yet. And I'm sure he won't play against the Bears. Uh, uh, They're hoping that he'll make it back for that first playoff game. But they need Garrett Bradbury, too. We saw what happened when when Schultman went out and Chris Reed came in. Now he's going to have a full week of practice, which is advantageous for him. But it was just so out of sync in Green Bay with with false starts and delay of games because he didn't get the ball snapped. Cousins slapping his hands, give me the ball. It was just bad. 
And so I think Bradbury is really critical. But I think the most important thing is going to be they're going to have to make some adjustments in their in their strategy and their scheme to really get the ball out quick. And I think that they should have done it last week. I, I do think, Jim, Kevin O'Connell has done a good job for the most part in his play calling this year, but it is his first year as a play caller, and there have been some hiccups. And I think when the hiccups have happened, it's when he's gone away from the running game too early or he's had cousins in deeper drops when the pass protection wasn't holding up. And I think that was one of the situations last week in Green Bay that they needed to go to that quick passing game, get the ball in Jefferson's hands, even if it's on a wide receiver screen or it's on a short pass, whatever. There is no excuse for Justin Jefferson, the best receiver in the NFL, to ever have only five targets and one catch. I'm sorry. So I think that, yeah, I think it's a big concern with O'Neal. They're going to have to adjust their strategy, adjust their game plan, run the ball better, and the defense is going to have to step up and tighten up and force turnovers. That's going to be the formula come playoff time, and they certainly can't be giving up 105-yard kickoff returns for touchdowns, and Greg Joseph can't be missing field goals. All the things that happened in Green Bay that went bad, all the turnovers – they have got to get all that straightened out. No drop balls. Whether it happens this week or not, I, I think it's kind of immaterial. I'm sure that they want to get a win in Chicago, get that 13th win. 13 and 4 sounds a lot better than 12 and 5, but 12 wins is, is still fine. And I think the in, really interesting thing, Jim, is going to be to see how does O'Connell approach this. He said, hey, we're still in the hunt for the number two seed, but really, how realistic is that? Because the 49ers would have to lose at home to Arizona, who's 4-12 and 12 and doesn't have Kyler Murray. I don't think that's going to happen. I guess it's possible, but certainly not probable, unless Brock Purdy had a meltdown, the rookie quarterback. I think that I expect O'Connell to rest a lot of players this week, but we can talk a little further about that. And I want to also talk about cleats. We'll talk about that and and the Bears' direction uh, with Justin Fields and Aberfloss and their new coaching staff. Uh, do want to remind you, Jeff is a former Vikings general manager. This is our, one of our football shows and our primary football expert at TalkNorth.com. Our producer is Brianne Burdett. Our sponsors are White Bear Lake Superstore and Platinum Bank. We do appreciate you listening. And the best way to listen to this show or any show you like at our very large network is to subscribe at your favorite podcast app. It is free. It is easy. I really thought it was interesting, and I, not because it's a good excuse, but because it's not a good excuse, that so many Vikings obviously did not wear the right cleats. Uh, many of them changed during the first or second quarter when they realized they weren't going to be able to stand up. Jefferson fell down on three of his first five routes. He never really had solid footing, uh, you know, and not having good footing. Many couldn't get off press coverage. When he did get into the secondary, he had trouble making his cuts. I mean, that's what he does. He makes beautiful, seamless cuts. He couldn't do that. And afterward, O'Connell basically said, hey, we tried to tell these guys you need to wear the right footwear, but they don't go to every player and force them to wear the right shoes. It's really up to the player to make that decision. Have you dealt with that, especially in sloppy conditions like Green Bay and Chicago? Did you deal with that as a general manager? Oh, sure. Absolutely. And we've talked before about playing in Green Bay late in the season, and in particular, the one game I've mentioned often that has always stuck in my craw when 
all, all of a sudden the heating coils didn't work at Lambo when we had Chris Dolman and Keith Millard ready to rush the passer and they're slipping and sliding all over the place. And even with the bigger studs, it didn't matter. The field was, was, was an ice rink, but that's not, wasn't the case the other night. It was because they didn't have the right shoes. Hawkinson's another guy who didn't have the right cleats. And to me, I think that that's something where you don't suggest you tell the players put on the right shoes, even if Dennis Ryan, the equipment manager, has to hide their other shoes. <laughs> it's just a, a tough thing, and, and that's certainly not not on Dennis. That's on the coaches that they have to demand that these players are wearing the right shoes. And and Hawkinson said the field changed after warmups. Well, how much can it change in that half hour or so? But it, it was it was a big factor early on in killing Viking drives and perhaps causing interception, as you said, Jefferson sliding all over the place. So hopefully they learn their lesson when they go next time, wherever they're going, come playoff time, whether it's, I guess, San Francisco, you could have some wet surface there, perhaps, or Philadelphia if they get that far. So we'll see. I think Philly is more, I, I think they're still, artificial but they may be that that uh, field turf type of, of field such as the vikings have but yeah I, I think it was a it was a mistake and a learning experience for not only the players but for the head coach yeah uh, i don't i just don't know if a head coach can really go around and make all 53 people choose which cleats to wear but but they should have listened they absolutely should have listened to it and hurt them who knows if they if that would have given them a fair chance at winning the game or not, but they were without their best receiver because he couldn't stand up. That's bad. Uh, let's get into the Bears. They're going to play. They, they are in kind of semi-tank mode now. Uh, they basically played a season in which they wanted to develop their quarterback, but they also weren't really completely invested in winning big. They didn't really surround him with much. Uh, where do, are, do the Bears stand? Not so much this week, but as a future threat in the division. Well, I think they've they've got a potential star quarterback in Justin Fields if they get him some help. And that won't be there this week because Fields is not playing, which I think also sends a message to everybody that the Bears don't consider this a crucial game where Justin Fields would be playing with it with that uh, hip, hip injury. And so I, I think that they they have got to juice up his receiving core. Uh, Mooney also won't be playing this week, which is good news for the Vikings secondary. He's their best receiver, but but they need they need better help in the at the receiving core. They need to improve the offensive line. They traded away their their best defensive players, uh, especially Roquan Smith. So I think the pressure is going to be on the the new GM polls to really juice up that roster and on Eberflus to, to coach them up to get them in the right right space. Now, they do have extra draft picks next year from the Khalil Mack trade and, and some other things that have happened in Chicago. So the opportunity will be there for the, for the team to improve. And now the pressure is on to, to really add, add talent. They were, they were not a bad team earlier this season, as we saw when the Vikings had a difficult time winning that game at U.S. Bank Stadium on October 9th. It was a close game, and the Bears actually held the lead in the fourth quarter by one point before Cousins had 
a one-yard touchdown run, take the lead. And as, as we recall, Fields was driving them down the field towards a potential tying touchdown when Cam Dancer stole the ball from the ex-Viking Smith-Marset to clinch that game. But that was a close game. And, and the Bears at that point were, I, I think, two and two. So they had started out okay. They'd beaten San Francisco in kind of a monsoon early. And then things just started to unravel as the, the sacks piled up. And I think, as we said, that's, that's where it's going to be a real key for the Bears to improve that offensive line. They've given up 57 sacks this year, one of the worst in the league. And their defense against the run has been bad. They're 31st against the rush, which the Vikings should take advantage of this week. But I would suggest they not take advantage of it with Dalvin Cook. <laughs> I think he should sit. I think they should sit. Guys like Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith. I would sit Jefferson and Thielen because, as I said, the chances of San Francisco losing to Arizona are so slim. Why would you risk those guys in, in this game? I think they can win it with guys like Osborne. Hawkinson can play a little bit. Cousins can play a quarter just to, to get the good feeling back and, as they say, get the bad taste out of their mouth from Green Bay. But I think, I think it's a really tricky game for Kevin O'Connell. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how he handles it. They haven't really given us a clear indication as of today. We're talking, we recorded the show on Thursday mornings. Uh, let, let's get to, of course, our picks. Let's also get to Kevin Warren, uh, playoff scenarios, and uh, the Buffalo-Cincinnati situation here in a second. We do first, though, want to thank our sponsor, White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Yeah, thanks, Jim. I was excited to talk about the White Bear Lake Superstore, Buick GMC, and my great friend, the owner, Paul Rubin, his general manager, Charlie Gattrell. They're fantastic staff, Minnesota's number one volume Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection and their super-friendly premium team. Check out that great website, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. You will see 2.9% APR for 90 days on all GMC Sierra 1500s, 3.9% APR on Buick SUV models, 3.9% APR plus a $750 purchase allowance on GMC terrains, and no monthly payments for 90 days on all these great vehicles. The Wipe Your Lake Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 Van Superstore. They are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. So visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in Wiper Lake or online at wiperlakesuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Thanks also to longtime sponsor, Platinum Bank. Platinum Bank, great sponsor. Is your bank a partner or simply a provider? In today's environment, businesses and individuals need a bank that can move quickly and act creatively. Platinum Bank understands the Twin Cities market, partnering with clients to overcome the challenges, capitalize on opportunities, and helping Twin Cities executives to grow their businesses. Platinum Bank's financial products are tailored to meet the unique needs of your organization and solve your problems, not create them. I am a very happy Platinum Bank client and account holder, have personally experienced tremendous customer service, working with Executive Vice President Nate Erfer and VP Drew Lynch. To learn how Platinum Bank can be an asset to your business, visit www.platinumbankmn.com. Platinum Bank, providing a means to a dream. 
Thanks to our sponsors. Thanks again to our producer, Brianne Burdett. And once again, thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. We have this show on the Vikings. We have the Viking Update Show. We've got about five hockey shows now. We have Chin Music with Roy and Lavelle. We have John Millay on Preps, John Krasinski on the Timberwolves and the NBA. Cheryl Reeve, the great coach, is luckily for us on our network. Uh, Dave Lee, Mike Grimm on the Gophers, outdoor content, variety content. Check it all out at TalkNorth.com. And again, if you like the show, please subscribe. It's free. And it's the easiest way to listen. Thanks again. Uh, Let's get to playoff scenarios. Most likely, Vikings play at home against the Giants in week one. Most likely, the Vikings will be the third seed, which opens the possibility that if they beat the Giants, they will go to San Francisco. What do you think, given their offensive line situation, given the way they played in Green Bay, what do you think their chances at home against the Giants and potentially on the road at San Francisco? I think they can beat the Giants at home, even with the offensive line not intact. I think getting Bradbury back is important. <clears throat> but I think if, if Brandle's in there, he's, he's he's started games this year and, and done pretty well. I think, as I said, if they adjust the game plan, more quick passes and so forth, and be able to run the ball against the Giants. So I, I do think they can win that game here. Daniel Jones' first playoff game at U.S. Bank Stadium. Now, he was just there, of course, a couple of weeks ago in that close game the Vikings won 27-24 and played really well. <clears throat> so I think the Vikings are going to have to tighten things up coverage-wise. They were pretty loose in that game, gave up a lot of, of passing yards. Saquon Barkley had that 27-yard touchdown run that tied the game with, with the two-point conversion. So we know that Barkley is, is a top running back. I don't think that the, the Giants are going to play Barkley this week in, in a game against Philadelphia that, that has no impact on the Giants at all, other than if they want to get one more win and, and get to, I guess that would take them to 10 wins, which is nice. But I don't think that's going to be the predominant concern when you've got a back in Barkley who has been had injuries in the past. So I think that, I think they can beat the, the Giants here. I think it's going to be really tough to win in San Francisco. Their hope has to be that they beat the Giants and that Aaron Rodgers has a a phenomenal game, which he hasn't been great in the playoffs, but the Packers have been hot. And if they get by Detroit this week, which is not going to be easy for them because Detroit is, is a hot team also even though they, I think they killed their chances when they lost in Carolina a couple of weeks ago, but they certainly thrashed the Bears last week, 41-10. to 10. So if, if the Packers can knock off the, uh, the 49ers, upset them out in San Francisco in that wild card round, then all of a sudden the Vikings have that second home game, which would be big, other than the fact that they would draw probably Dallas in that scenario, because then Green Bay would go to Philadelphia as the bottom seed. And of course that's, that's no bargain. What happened the last time with the Cowboys, unless Tom Brady knocks them off in the first round, which could happen. But then again, Dallas is still in play for the top seed. If Philly gets beat and San Francisco gets beat, then Dallas can slide in if they win in Washington and the commanders are done as we know, and have had a, an awful end of the season and Ron Rivera should be fired with the way he mishandled his quarterback situation and, and didn't even know <laughs> that his team was going to be eliminated if the Packers won last week. That was kind of comical. 
even though I think Ron Rivera is a good guy, does a lot of good things in the community, but that was embarrassing. But the whole franchise is an embarrassment. So what else is new starting with the owner? But I, I do think that it's going to be really tough to win in San Francisco for the Vikings, especially with the offensive line under And you got guys like, like Nick Bosa and Armstead and that defense is, is tops in the league. But what happened to them in Vegas last week, <laughs> giving up fi- almost 500 yards, I think, and barely getting by the Raiders? That was a crazy game, too. And, and Jared Stidham. So it's a, it's a crazy league. It's a crazy year. Anything can happen. But I think that the Vikings have to hope they get by the Giants. And, and certainly they're still thinking, well, maybe we could be the number two seed and have the two home, two home games potentially. But that may not be any bargain either because that would probably bring Green Bay here. <laughs> right. All right, let's get to two national stories before we get to our picks. First is Kevin Warren reportedly uh, interviewing to be the president of the Chicago Bears. Uh, fascinating career path here. He was a big part of what the Vikings did and getting the stadium built and, and you know, running this franchise in, in the community. And from a financial standpoint, he goes to become the commissioner of the Big Ten. Big Ten goes out and steals some some classic you know, t- teams like uh, USC and UCLA. He expands the Big Ten. He seems to have made it a, a great financial success. Now he's interested in being president of the Chicago Bears. What, what do you think is going on there? What do you think is going through his head? Yeah, I, I know Kevin pretty well. And, and certainly he, his roots are NFL spending a lot of time back with the Rams and I think in the Lions in the day and then the Vikings for, for, for a decade or so. And perhaps he's looking at the college football and college sports landscape with everything that's happening with NIL and all the crazy stuff with the NCAA. It might just be more headaches than it's worth and, and to go to Chicago, but that may not be any bargain either when they're talking about leaving Soldier Field and and all the blowback they could get for that move, potentially, to move out to the suburbs. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I think financially it would probably be a, about an equivalent move for Kevin. And is the, isn't the Big Ten based in Chicago, or are they based in India? It is based in Chicago. Yeah. His, offices, well, his offices are based in Chicago. Yeah, yes. so that would be a, a, certainly an easy move for him. Doesn't have to really change, change locations, and that would be attractive. I, I really don't know what he's going to do in this situation. I would not be surprised if he did take that job in Chicago where my very close friend Ted Phillips is retiring after after so many years as the president of the Bears. So we will see. Would, wouldn't surprise me either way if he stayed with the Big Ten or he, if he decided to to go go ahead and move to the Bears. I, don't, I probably don't know Kevin as well as you do, but I did do a, a big story on him, talked to a lot of people who knew him. I got to know Kevin to a certain extent. And my he never told me this, but my sense is he has two goals in life. One, it would be to be part of a, another Super Bowl championship, as he was with the Rams, and he was very close to Dick Vermeil. Uh, the other would be potentially be putting, positioning himself to become commissioner of the NFL. I think those are the two big things he would love to achieve going to become president of the Chicago Bears, maybe overseeing a Bears renaissance and a Bears new stadium uh, might give him a shot at one or both. Yeah, and that that could well be the case. And 
nice long range goal to be an NFL commissioner, especially to make thirty million a year like Roger Goodell. Roger's making forty five million a year. Okay, forty five. Yeah, that that's not a bad goal to have for Kevin. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. The other story, and listen, I didn't lead with this. We didn't get to it earlier because I just think that it's been so well covered by so many outlets. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on it. I don't think we. I don't have anything new to say about it. But so I wanted to be very specific about this with Hamlin's injury. Uh, just at you as somebody who worked most of your life in the NFL at many different positions, many different levels of the NFL, you get to know players very well. Just how do you deal with the inherent injury, the inherent injury risk in this sport? I think the good news for the NFL is, is that things have gotten much more diligent in terms of how players are taught to tackle and equipment improvements and those type of things, field improvements. But yeah, things can happen. And I think one of the things in this particular situation with DeMar Hamlin, and of course, our thoughts and those of the entire sports world are are with with him and his family uh, after the awful moment in, in Cincinnati with the cardiac arrest and after that seemingly innocent tackle of, of T Higgins. <clears throat> and so we're, we're all hoping for the best for him. <clears throat> Sounds like there's some improvement, which we hope continues. It's been interesting to, to listen to players like Harrison Phillips, who was his teammate in Buffalo and contributed money and contributed food <clears throat> to the nurses and doctors at the hospital. Harrison Phillips is an impressive guy. <clears throat> Patrick Jones spoke a lot about his former teammate at Pitt that he was very close to. But, yeah, I think those are some of my thoughts. But but I, I also think, really, <clears throat> it's not only football. Th- this type of situation has happened in other sports. And as we know, in hockey, if you take a puck in the wrong spot right in the chest, as happened with Chris Pronger, the amazing thing with the Chris Pronger story was he played four days later. In, in the playoffs back in 1998, and it's happened <clears throat> in baseball where guys take a ball, take a, a pitch <clears throat> to the chest or to the head, perhaps. So, so there, there are inherent dangers in any sport, and certainly football, and I would put hockey probably in that category. Are are dangerous sports in that regard, and, and hockey ridiculously still allows fighting, which is absurd because of the concussion issues and all that. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really sad story, but hopefully we'll have a, a, a decent ending for, for DeMar Hamlin where, where he has a recovery. But yeah, I, I think that football is a, is a dangerous sport. Everybody understands that when, when they enter the, the sport and sign up to play. But I do think this is really kind of a, more of a freakish accident, and, and perhaps maybe there were underlying causes that maybe there were, was a heart deficiency, but the tests will show that over time, and we'll learn those type of things. But, of course, the, the most important thing right now is that he recovers. No doubt. I wanted to add one more thing. I think one of the other really important lessons from, from this whole situation is, is how critical it is at all levels of sport, for schools, for arenas, for stadiums to have these defibrillators 
and other medical devices to restore heartbeats in these situations, as was the case with the immediate response in Cincinnati for Damar Hamlin. And it, it, it concerns me when I think about some of these high schools, for example, do they have the, the defibrillators when these type of situations happen? And I think that that's a really important lesson to learn from, from this very public situation. Yeah, good point. Uh, all right, let's get to our picks. We'll go th- quickly through these. All five are between NFC teams with it and at least some remote playoff implications. Let's start Dallas at Washington. Washington's a train wreck. <laughs> yep. I, I wrote about that this week in my 33rd team, my new websites. I wrote about the, the commanders and a, a bad trade that they made for Carson Wentz. And then Ron Rivera decides to start Wentz when he had played two series in 11 weeks in a game that was an elimination game for Washington. And they stink out the joint against Cleveland. Let let Deshaun Jackson or Deshaun Watson get a win in that game. So I think I think the Commanders are are done, and they're not even starting Wentz this week or Heineke. So it's just I, I think the Cowboys are still alive. They think, even though, as I said, I think the Giants are going to rest their players, their key players, and Philly should find a way to win, even if it's Garden Minshew. So, yeah, I'll take Dallas and Washington. And I think you just made the Eagles pick, too. Uh, you expect the Eagles to be, to win at home against the Giants with the first seed on the line. Yes. Yes, I do. The, uh, again, the interesting thing there is, do they give Jalen Hurts a couple of snaps in this game, give him a, a quarter of play if he's able to play, or if they just figure we'll give him a couple more weeks off? That's kind of dangerous because then he won't will not have played for – five, six weeks going into the divisional playoff round, that's a, that's a dangerous road for the Eagles, I think, especially if they run into whoever. It could well be Dallas again if the Vikings win their first round and go to San Francisco and Dallas would beat Tampa Bay in that scenario. Then Dallas is going to Philly. That is, as I said, a, a tough road to, to hoe for the Eagles if T- Jalen Hurts has not played in five, six weeks. Right. All right. Now, Detroit at Green Bay. Are the Packers actually better, or is that blowout victory against the Vikings kind of a a one-off, a fluke? Well, I think the Packers are better, but again, talking about who they've beaten over the last, this four-game winning streak, it it hasn't been the real stout teams, and even the Vikings just did not play well in that game and got behind the eight ball with the big plays early. They're down 14-3, to and they've only given up 14 yards in the game. And that that was just, I think, a, a little bit of a one-off that game with the Vikings. But I, I do think Detroit can go into Green Bay and figure, hey, we're not expected to win. We can play a little bit more loose. And it, it would not shock me if they pulled it off. But I, I do think in Lambeau in January, we know their record December, January, other than playoff games, is is excellent. I expect the Packers to win this game, but I think it's going to be closer perhaps than people think. All right. Interesting. Once again, we agree. Arizona at San Francisco. Do you give the Cardinals any shot there? No, <laughs> not without Kyler Murray. I think that, yeah, it's going to be San Francisco is going to find a way to win this game for sure. And and knowing that, that they even have a shot at the number one seed perhaps, but most likely they'll be number two. 
and they and they do want to hold off the Vikings for number two. So no, I don't. I don't think Arizona has a has a shot in this game. I think San Francisco, their defense will want to reestablish themselves after after Vegas ran ran wild on them. So I, I think that the 49ers are going to rise up and, and win this game easily. And and kind of one more thought on Rodgers, Jim. It's just amazing, or not really amazing because of the egomaniac this guy is, but but he cannot help but make all these ridiculous proclamations and talking after the game about, I believe in the power of manifestation. Let, let us vomit. <laughs> <laughs> that he he for he, he would had a, had a whatever that he thought this was going to happen four, five weeks ago. Oh yeah, tell us about it, Aaron. Really, I don't think so. Oh, he's a, so annoying. He's a great player, <laughs> yeah. but he is so annoying. There's no way around it. Definitely. All right, let's get the Vikings and the Bears. I've been half jokingly, half seriously picking the Vikings to win every game 28-24 for quite a while. <clears throat> that didn't work out very well in Green Bay, but I'm going back to it. 28-24, the Vikings beat the Bears. What do you think? Well, I, I've got a four-point win. I've got a 24-20. I think it'll be a, a little more low Probably score. lower score, yeah. In, not, the, not that the weather's going to be bad in Chicago. It sounds like it's going to be kind of mid-30s, but the wind is always up. And, and I, as I said, I, I don't think that they're going to play their top guys in this game. I, I would not risk Dalvin Cook, Daniil Hunter, Zadarius Smith, Eric Hendricks, Harrison Smith. I expect all those guys to sit. I would sit Jefferson and Thielen. Because it's so it's so unlikely the 49ers are going to blow their chance to hold the number two seed. I think Cousins should be pulled after a quarter or so, get a good feel, get kind of the good vibes going again. He can he can he can do it with KJ Osborne and Hawkinson and whoever Jalen Naylor, whatever uh, as receivers, but Jalen Rager. But I, I don't and I play Alexander Madison, give him a ton of carries, play play Wang Wu, play Ty Chandler, run the ball a lot, milk the clock, and get the heck out of Dodge. I do think that they, they'll find a way to win because the, the Bears are just so undermanned. They don't have their, their quarterback who has over 1,000 yards rushing. He's basically their offense. They don't have their best receiver. It's going to be really tough. Nathan Peterman, give me a break. You can't possibly lose to Nathan Peterman, even if you rest all your starters. So so I'll, I'll take the Vikings 24-20 in this game. All right. Good pick. Uh, good stuff from Jeff. Thanks to everyone who listens to TalkNorth.com. We'll be back next week to set up the playoffs. 